Shalom, and thank you for listening to Progressively Jewish, the podcast where you can explore and connect to Judaism through a progressive Jewish lens. I'm Rabbi Debbie Young-Summers, and it's my pleasure to be hosting a discussion about comfort and consolation, linked to this week's portion of the week, Chaye Sarah, which covers Genesis chapters 23 to 25. So I am really delighted to be joined uh, for this edition of Progressively Jewish by Mitzi Kalinsky, who is the person that everybody phones when somebody has died. If you phone the JJBS, the Jewish Joint Burial Society, nine times out of ten you will end up speaking to Mitzi. Um, and she is every rabbi's hero and um, she has looked after so many families over the years and remembers an unbelievable number of them. Um, so welcome, Mitzi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Um, so I thought we would start by just reflecting a little bit on um, this year particularly. We're thinking about the theme of comfort um, and it's been really, really difficult to comfort one another this year particularly when we haven't been able to be together what's that been like for you at the JJBS? It's been really difficult I think for all of us at the society we're very uh, you know we're very we try to be very helpful to people we try to sort of work with them and talk through and have spend lots of time with them on the phones and of course during the real peak of Covid we just couldn't we actually hated the fact that we couldn't spend the sort of time that we normally do with people because not only were people dying of COVID, like it was just, we did 450% of the normal number of funerals we do in, eight, in April. So not only were there an enormous number of people passing away, but we were also having to delay funerals. We weren't getting paperwork through. We were having to sort of explain to people that they couldn't have the funeral when they wanted it because Physically, the boys just could not dig that many graves and they worked non-stop, uh, literally non-stop. And we were working non-stop. I was literally working 16 to 18 hours a day, every single day, including through Shabbat, through Pesach. It was awful. And people were really distressed and we were having to say they couldn't be at the funeral. And a lot of the time they couldn't, they, they were much more distressed than they would have otherwise been because they hadn't been able to be with their husband, wife, son, par you know, parent at all. So it was terrible. And that's kind of one of the, the great um, agonies, I think, of this year. Our mourning rituals normally are so well designed and are so powerful. I always kind of, um, when I teach about Judaism, it's one of the things that I end up talking about because I think it's so cleverly psychologically worked out. You know, we do it quickly. We express our inner grief with ripping our clothes if we do that. And, um, you know, the funeral itself is so cathartic because you have to accept the reality of what's in front of you, hearing the soil hit the, mm. the uh, coffin. And then we really focus on looking after the mourners and all of that was taken away from us in a way. People couldn't do the stuff that they needed to do to process. It was really terrible. I mean, Adam did, Adam, who's our woodland manager, he did 
all the zooming for all of these funerals and he would say to people i'm going to put some earth on the grave for you and you know but it's not the same as them being there and for us and even for me when you know very often i'm at the cemetery or i'm wardening or adam's wardening we're we we shake hands with people we hug people you can't do any of that yeah, so i'm a hugger i found it so yeah. hard <laughs> even yesterday, you know we did a covid funeral again a lady who passed away from covid and you know the automatic thing is to go and hug her son we can't, we can't couldn't do it you know it was just it's really hard i think it's a very difficult thing to, do you think to... we have found any good ways of comforting each other that are working better than we thought they might there are some things so when we did only when it was only zoom so and everybody was on zoom including the family and everything else in a way we were able to get people from all over the world together to be with the family and that was good so we send people recordings um and if we if we have and we've we they you know people put messages and the family can see it and where we where we've had a bit more time sometimes we've been able to let the family speak through the phone at people and the you know unfortunately during the main really peak time we didn't have time to do that because there were just too many funerals but we tried to allow people to still speak and i think that in a way uh, i know my auntie passed away also covid and we had a zoom funeral with all of us from israel and her, her, my cousin her son from south africa and us all in england and that was you know so we were all together and that was very very nice do you think some of that will continue I suspect that now we're offering Zoom, everybody's going to want it because obviously now, and also people aren't going to be able to travel for a long time. People aren't going to really be able to come freely between different countries. But I think it works really well. It's very difficult trying to tie up, though I must say, Los Angeles with Australia. <laughs> it doesn't work. I can't, I haven't managed to get it to work properly apart from doing it very early in the morning and then the Los Angeles people have to stay up very late, very late, right? I eat early hours of the morning and the, <laughs> but, but that, I think that, and we've tried, we've tried very hard to get it to be a more intimate experience. But we're all very social animals. Human beings are extremely social. I was actually speaking about this to Rabbi Kathleen Middleton yesterday. And the reason we all live by and large in cities or we live together, we don't, very few of us live in splendid isolation. We mostly want to live with other people. And so it's not natural for us to be so separated. And I don't know whether Jewish people even more so because we're very social and very uh gregarious as a as a as a group and particularly shivers and things like that we all want to be so you know the government banned people going back to people's houses that's been very very difficult for for families because that's the normal thing that you do you have usually when it's a shiver everybody's there for a week you know you've got people coming in all day long everybody's there for prayers they're there all day long and they're just not it's just 
we've been doing it most of the year now and I still haven't learned how to cook for Shabbat for four people I just keep keep having too many leftovers because I don't know how to do it my, my Seder night was Danny and I that was it and the rest of the kids on Zoom I mean that's just not that's very strange <laughs> I think we've got 25 <laughs> so so yeah. you talk about how we we kind of we tend to live together and in cities and um I don't know if you know about this there was a ritual that used to be done in the shtetls that um I talked about on a previous progressively Jewish podcast where the women of the shtetl used to go to the cemeteries and measure out graves with wick and they would make candle from the wick um and they'd become memorial candles some in some places they'd light the shawl on Colmidre. um it's an amazing amazing ritual that largely got lost in the 20th century because we left our graveyards behind um, and we're now sort of rediscovering it. Um, do we have any JJBS cemeteries that are kind of close to closing or being full or and what happens when, when that's the case? Do we leave them behind? Well, it's an interesting thing. We, we aren't going to be closing for at least probably a hundred and I mean, about 125 years we've got space for. Um, but for instance, the Edmonton Cemetery from the Western, which is uh, an Orthodox, they are now officially a closed cemetery, although we are still doing reserve, well, we're not, but the, um, the Western are still doing reserve spaces. And there are still, so for instance, Swezers had a lady pass away Swessers before they were part of the JJBS, before the JJBS existed, were part of the Western. Um, and this lady's husband had actually died in, I think it was 1963. Wow. And she passed away last year. And um, there was the Lavoya. And then they just had a very tiny stone setting on Zoom because they wanted to have the stone setting um, at the Western. And that was she'd outlived her husband by well an awful long time <laughs> 50 57 years or something so you know um and we in the society have people outliving but you still we've, we've done funerals for people last year we did three funerals for people who wives who'd outlived their husbands by 40 years um but we haven't got any so edmonton is closing but it won't close with there's always this thing that you, the reason you have so many paths in a cemetery is so that actually you can dig them up because you're not allowed to close a cemetery until a hundred years after the last person's been buried. Well, if you keep burying every so often, then that hundred years moves further and further. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really yeah. interesting. But in reality, very, very few Jewish cemeteries are ever dug up. I mean, there was the whole thing at the... St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's. Um, uh, so just to explain that for, for the listeners, there was uh, an old, old closed cemetery, for want of a better term, um, in uh, what is now, uh, is it Queen Mary's University? Yeah, Queen Mary's University in Mylene. And it was a, a Sephardi um, cemetery. And the university wanted to build um, essentially a pathway to help students cross over it um, so that it wasn't dead space in the middle of their campus i mean it's literally dead space isn't it um you know the, there was 
no grave that would have been still visited because they were so old um but they're still precious and it's still heritage and it's still important to protect those graves so um i actually know a little more about this because uh, my husband's best friend was the uh, rabbi who went to supervise um looking after what the builders and architects did and my best friend's husband was the architect who designed the path and set it all up um, or his firm did and um, it was a, a real passion project for those people who got involved to make sure that they could protect the graves but also give the university what they needed and there is still a part of the cemetery is still there with some of the graves in there um, in fact that wasn't the oldest Sephardi cemetery the oldest Sephardi cemetery is a bit further down the road and that's you can still access it uh, and you can still see some of the, gra the, the, the graves and the names the, the inscriptions but in that cemetery you can see the Sassoon family in, in the one in Myland it's, it's amazing um, we, we had a, um, a burial all the burial societies all talk to each other all the time and we had a little we had a meeting uh, and we all got taken on a tour of that, of the, the two Sephardi synagogues, uh, not synagogues, the two Sephardi cemeteries, and then uh, the old cemetery um, behind Bancroft Road, behind Myland, uh, which is the United, well, it's, it's an old United Cemetery now, it's closed, but every year it gets opened because one of the Orthodox Rebbe's is there and it's very, you know, they all go there every every year for his yard site. I mean, we're talking. I think he was buried two hundred years ago. But <laughs> so. Wow! And how we how we memorialise and and put stones up and things that shifts and changes over time. You know, in in the parsha this week, we've got Abraham. Um, sort of haggling over a cave to bury Sarah in um, and the Sephardi minhag in the UK has always been to have sort of flat graves. We, the Ashkenazi custom is the upright ones. Um, and the Sephardi tradition is double debt, which of course we do in the woodland. Mm -hmm. So um, and most of our graves in the woodland are double debt. So not, we've also got the mixed faith area, but even in the, the, the non-mixed faith area, is double debt mostly few people go side by side but mostly double debt and um and even in the main western cemetery we've also got quite a few people who have got flat safari stones because they belong to reform shawls um but they came from safari tradition and obviously a lot of reform jews in this country came from safari tradition Anyway, Although I'm when we were looking at my dad's headstone, we were told that a completely flat stone is a really bad idea in the UK because the water just sits on yes. top. Yes, it needs to be flat and just slightly sloped. Slightly sloped, it's really fascinating. So, I mean, the latest innovation really from the JJBS has been the woodland, which is such a stunning addition to what we can offer people. Um, how did that come about? Was it, it must have taken years. It took a very long time and it was I mean there was a lot of talking about wanting ecological and and we, we did a whole presentation and a real push for it quite a few years ago and then we finally bought the land in 2011 then we had to build a roadway through to it because it was impossible to get to because from, from the main western uh, and you couldn't put a road down the middle of the western because there's graves there. 
<laughs> so that's very good. So we went round the side um, and put a roadway in, and then we did the very first funeral in April 2012, and we weren't even ready at all. And I took a death in the middle of the night, which was actually somebody that I knew, um, and they wanted woodland. And I said, fine, that's no problem whatsoever. So I rushed out on Friday. It was, a, it was a middle of the night. It was Thursday night, Friday morning. It was about 1.17 in the morning on, fr on Friday morning. And I rushed down to the cemetery on Friday morning in the pouring rain with Dave, who's our head groundsman. And we had a piece of string and we marked out paths, a path that didn't exist, a green path. And Dave quickly mowed the green path. And in absolutely pelting down rain, we said, right, we'll go here then. That'll be the first space, which was how we started. So, <laughs> and that's how we I mean, that, That's kind of you all through, really, this idea that we're going to try and make it happen if we can. We'll, we'll do what we can to get there. And yeah. it, it, it's so appreciated. It really is. I, and I don't know that anyone ever says thank you for it, but it is really appreciated. We get a lot of thank yous, actually. It's, and it's really lovely when people write to us and we get cards. I've had flowers sent to me. You know, uh, it's just lovely when people do that. Um, I still get people trying to give us money and I say, no, 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 give it to charity. And it's, uh, don't, you don't do that because that's from the old days. Mm. <laughs> the first funeral I went to at the Woodlands was actually for Rabbi Lionel Blue. Um, and I think that was fairly soon after you opened it. Um, yeah. And I remember thinking, where's the, where's the wood? There's no wood. <laughs> it's just ground. What's going on? Um, but you go now and to see the progression is incredible. You've got these beautiful chapels. There's a catering hall um, for people who want to have the sort of life celebration there. There's beautiful things growing. It's absolutely stunning oh, now. It is. It's amazing. And I remember going there, I think it was in 2000 and must have been actually the, the autumn after Lionel had Lionel passed away I think in 2016 and Lionel had always come to our memorial service and had always spoken and I remember we had a uh, I had a, a, a family a lady there whose husband had died they they're members of Welling Garden Orthodox uh, United and but they wanted to be buried in the woodland and um, she was so excited that Lionel was speaking and because you know and and he just everybody was like they're so warm to him. I mean, you know, um, and Rabbi Jackie Tabic does our memorial service at year. She does a wonderful job. And it was just so sad that this year we couldn't have that, you know, and we do an annual bulb planting and we couldn't have that this year. You know, it's, it's just been all the things that we normally do and we encourage people to come up and and actually, the, so at Edgeware and Hansen this year, we did our memorial services in, in shifts um, up at Chessant so that we could get the, the right numbers for each one. And um, I mean, it was such an important moment for people because for some, you know, they hadn't been at the funerals and this was for some, it was the first time they'd been to the site since the burial. Um, and there's such a, a kind of gap of needing to, to do the stuff that we've missed. Yes. Um, I don't know how we fill that gap. Although there was a, a very 
funny moment at the Woodland Memorial Service when um, someone assumed I was standing next to Adam who manages um, the Woodland and someone saw the woman in the black dress and the man with a t-shirt and tattoos and assumed that the man was the rabbi uh, <laughs> and said oh I didn't know rabbis could have tattoos and he's like no she's the rabbi <laughs> Um, and that sense of, of people's um, assumptions was brilliant. Um, but, I mean, one of the things we've been trying to encourage people to do, and quite a few people have taken us up on it, is where they weren't able to be at the funeral was to come and put a token amount of earth on the grave. And I've been up to, to with a few people and done an Al Rafamim and Kaddish for them and whatever. And, and a few people have been with their rabbis because it was it, that bit of actually putting earth on the grave for us is so symbolic mm. and you can't do it you know um and that was terrible i think for people it was really really difficult um and then of course you've got people who have who have they can't they can't come anyway because they they've had covid or they've got covid and they've had you know so it's just been it's been really really hard and you know we're trying to be much more um, sort of, we've sort of worked out that actually if somebody has been in with somebody who's got COVID, as long as they sort of keep very socially distanced and make sure, then they can come to the funeral because it's not, now that we're allowing people, we're sort of saying, yes, it's fine, you know, because you have to, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to allow people that, in one sense, when we were so busy, it was almost impossible because we had we were terrified that if one of the staff caught it mm. or even not more so we were worried that we might pass it on to because we were in touch with so many covid cases yeah. we were worried that we would pass it on so that was one of our big things and of course rabbi neil passing away was obviously for all of us that was the most awful awful thing yeah. you know, um, and yeah, that won't be that won't be forgotten for I think ever. Um, and I think one of the things that came out of that, other than the immense grief that so many of us held and are holding, really, it's not gone away, um, was that desire to make sure that we protect everyone because we saw what can happen. Yes. Um, and because Neil was such a hugger and. Oh, oh, absolutely. Whenever you saw Neil, he'd give you a hug and, you know, and, and that was Neil. I mean, you know, so. And wouldn't that be the best comfort now? <laughs> yes. yes. And that's, and that's the problem because I think most people are, are to a degree when they're in, you know, that it's that human touch and that's something that we, we're missing at this moment in time. You know, even sort of family. I mean, although I do notice, I remember to, I, I did a funeral for my, my synagogue and I had said to the family, you've all got to socially distance, da, da, da. But, you know, it was one of the sort of early ones where we were allowing people to come. All got to socially distance, keep apart everything. And of course, the widow burst into tears. So the kids went, Chum, and they all were round <laughs> cuddling her even though they've been so careful before that, because you, you can't help yourself. It's almost impossible to, to not hug someone who's crying, mm. you know? So it's, it's, it's difficult. It's been a very hard year. Yeah. 
And please God, we will see the end of this and we will return to more normal times. Do you think there's anything we've learnt this year about um, comfort and grief? Um, or has it just kind of affirmed for you how strong our rituals are when we're allowed to do them? I think, I think the rituals are very strong when we're allowed to do them. I think they do provide, but I provide a lot of comfort. I mean, things like, interestingly, things like Kriya, as you said, about cutting the clothes. Obviously, again, normally a female will do it for a female but it's not a family member and a male will do it for a male and it's not a family member but we haven't and usually it's you know the the rabbi or the the sexton will do it for so for instance if i'm there i'll do it for the women and adam will do it for the men or, or menachem from our, our you know whoever one of our undertakers or the rabbi and of course we can't do that so we haven't been able to do that because you can't go up to somebody and tell them, you know, sort of cut their, you, you can't get that close to somebody. So that's been, a, a couple of people we've said, well, you can do it for each other, maybe. It's not halachically, that's not the way that you do it. Um, but they also want that comfort of being able to do it. So that's been, we've been having to be quite creative with allowing people to mourn and sort of, helping them to mourn in the way that is good for them um you know so i think i can't wait for it to all to be over but uh, you know we have tried i mean the other good thing about the woodland of course which we haven't mentioned is of course we we, we sort of very slightly touched on this mixed faith area mm. and we've had so many people who have used mixed faith area who have said you know this has just been for them literally a godsend because it means that they can be buried together and how comforting is that that's kind of the ultimate comfort really yes yes um you know and and that is really something it, uh, one of our governors our, our former treasurer actually said she thinks that doing that was a real mitzvah having the, the mixed faith which I think it absolutely was. I mean, we, we speak to so many couples and especially, you know, younger couples who have, they're not, they're not religious. They're not going to convert one way or the other, but you've got the Jewish partner who really still wants a Jewish burial, even though they don't. And, you know, now they can be together and, and we've got people joining synagogues because of it. So that's, that's an interesting thing. Great. Mitzi, thank you so, so much. It's been so lovely to get a chance to hear the inside workings of all that you do. Um, and um, thank you for all that you do. And please, God, we'll see you in happy days. Can I just also add that my colleagues at the JJBS work incredibly all of them, and all the staff at the Western also. They all work so, so hard. And it's been through this has been difficult for all of them so yeah that's that's basically it <laughs> so thank you for having me and and our thanks to all of them as well <laughs> thank you mitzi okay thank you so much to mitzi kalitsky of the jewish joint burial society 
And thanks to Liberal Judaism, Reform Judaism and Leo Beck College for supporting Progressively Jewish. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to Progressively Jewish so that you can receive all our episodes. We'd love you to be involved in shaping the future of Progressively Jewish. Would you like to be involved in an episode? What can we do or discuss that you'd value hearing? You can tell us on the new Progressively Jewish Facebook page or by emailing us at progressivelyjewish at gmail.com. Please recommend us to your friends and fellow congregants, those who are Jewish and people of all faiths and none. Also, do please leave a comment and review with your podcast provider. Next week's episode will be hosted by my friend and colleague, Rabbi Monique Meyer. She'll be exploring growing old in the week of Parashat Toldot. Hope to see you then.